Concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Thus far, our text. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you live for the weekend? That's a common thing to say in our culture, isn't it? Do you work all week in order to enjoy a good Friday night out on the town? Or maybe we could ask a different question. Do you work for vacation? Do you suffer through the the hard work year in order to make it to an all-inclusive resorts in Mexico? Well, that's the perspective of many people in our world today. It doesn't really matter what happens during the week. As long as you have enough money to enjoy yourself on the weekend or or on vacation, there's no greater joy to be had than dipping your toes in the sand of Cancun. Live your best life now. You only live once, right? Well, the Apostle Paul teaches the church in Thessalonica about the dangers of living in these worldly ways. This way of life is is built on nothing more than what someone can see in the world around them. It doesn't take into account the realities of eternal life or eternal death. The unbeliever looks ahead to the weekend or their next vacation, but they don't look ahead to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They live in a a constant cycle of sleeping, working, sleeping, working, party, repeat. But God calls his people, God calls us to a different way of life. Since our Lord Jesus will return, since there is more to life than what we can see in the world around us, we are to live in a, a different way with a heavenly perspective. One day, those who work only for that Friday night will have their week unexpectedly interrupted by our Lord's return. But, the Apostle Paul teaches us, if we live prepared during the week for his return, 
then we will receive a reward far better than any weekend. We will live with the Lord Jesus himself forever. And that brings us to our theme for this afternoon's sermon. Let us live in light of the day of the Lord. We'll see three things. First, our identity as children of the day. Second, our task as children of the day. And third, our destiny as children on the great day. So first, our identity as children of the day. Now in this letter, Paul writes to a church that is made up of new believers, most of whom are Gentiles. So we might expect, with them being new to the scriptures, new to the faith, that they were still learning how to put their faith into practice. But although these Thessalonian believers were young and new to the faith, they had grown quickly in faithfulness and in maturity. Paul wrote in chapter 1, You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. And in our reading from Acts chapter 17, we read about some of this affliction, didn't we? We saw that the Jews were jealous and, and formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, one of the believers. When they could not find Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities. Now the believers immediately sent Paul and Silas away from this dangerous situation. But if we had kept reading beyond our text, in the next city too, in Berea, the Jews from Thessalonica came to disrupt Paul's preaching. So if the Jews and the entire city were causing trouble from the start, the Thessalonian church would have to live lives of faith with their eyes wide open to persecution. Now these believers, they had a beautiful reputation in the early church. They were known as those who, we read in chapter 1, those who wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now this reputation, it becomes a key theme of Paul's letter. We could say that the Thessalonian believers are, are forward-looking believers. Their eyes are, are firmly fixed on the future to the day when the Lord will return with full salvation. So in our text, Paul gives encouragement to those who wait for the Lord. He begins in verse 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, brothers and sisters, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul and Silas may not have been among the Thessalonian church for very long, but, but they had taught them very well. In our text, Paul isn't really giving them any new information. No, he's assuring them that they already know the truth and that they know how to live ready for the Lord's return. But we should notice that Paul uses an important phrase for the first time in this letter. He refers to the day of the Lord. Now, now what is this day exactly? 
Well, in the context of the entire letter, it's clear that this is the day when our Lord Jesus will return. But we should note that the phrase, the day of the Lord, has a lot of baggage in the Old Testament. For example, the prophet Zephaniah writes that the day of the Lord is a day of wrath, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities. Zephaniah warns us that the day of the Lord is a day of terrible judgment against those who do not fear God. So this Old Testament context then helps us to understand Paul's focus, his his emphasis in our text this afternoon. When Christ returns on the day of the Lord, he will return in judgment. Next, Paul goes on to use an illustration. He says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, This picture might sound awfully familiar to those of us who know our scriptures, in particular the Gospels, very well. In Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus himself had said, If the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. But Paul is not telling the Thessalonians here that the day of the Lord will bring judgment against them. The day of the Lord will not surprise them like a thief in the night. Remember, he had already said they are fully aware of these things. He makes this a bit more clear with another picture. Verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Again, Paul's words take us back to Matthew 24, where our Lord says a very similar thing. He compares the days of Noah to his return. The people of Noah's day had no idea that judgment was coming until, I quote, until the day when Noah entered the ark. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So Paul, Paul is not speaking about the Thessalonian believers here, but about their unbelieving neighbors. Again, in Acts 17, we had read about some of these neighbors. The Jews were jealous They formed a mob. They told the city authorities, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And the people and the city authorities, how did they respond? Well, they were disturbed when they heard these things. The Jews charged Paul and Silas with turning the world upside down. And to some extent, they were right, weren't they? The kingdom of God, it looks very different than any kingdom we have here on earth. The Jews, they didn't want to hear about the kingdom of God. They were happy with the status quo. And so they played upon the fears of others in the city. The citizens of Thessalonica, they also wanted peace and security, not their world turned upside down. Now, we can maybe think of an illustration here. When the light gets turned on in a dark room, it hurts your eyes. You might close them and and swipe at the light switch to, to turn it right back off. Comfortable darkness feels better than adjusting 
to the light. But on the day of the Lord, Paul teaches, there will not be any turning off the light switch for the unbeliever. But then Paul goes on. Verse 4. But, he says, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Now, there's a, a beautiful detail in these verses. So far, Paul has been writing to the brothers and sisters, addressing them as, as you. You have no need. You yourselves are fully aware, he said. He has been speaking to them, but not really with them. But then he makes an important change. He says, we are not of the night or of the darkness. He places himself, Silas and Timothy, alongside these new believers. Why? Because when it comes to the matter of identity, Paul knows that he and the Thessalonian saints together belong to Jesus Christ. So as we move forward now in our text, this detail, it helps us to apply Paul's good news and instructions more directly to ourselves. As believers in the 21st century, we can read ourselves into the we here. We also belong to Jesus Christ. We also are children of the day. Now, so far in this passage, Paul has encouraged the Thessalonians by way of contrast. The day of the Lord will be a day of terrible judgment against unbelievers. The day will bring sudden destruction that is as, as unexpected as a thief in the night and as inescapable as labor pains that come upon a pregnant woman. But this is not the case for us. Children of light are fundamentally different from children of darkness. For us, the day of the Lord will, will not bring sudden destruction. It will not be unexpected, and we will certainly not want to escape. Paul does not yet explain why this is the case. He'll do so a little later in the passage. But we, we know the truth. Believers are, are different from unbelievers because we have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. So the difference between sons of the day and, and sons of the night is therefore a matter of identity. That's Paul's focus in the first few verses of this passage. He's not admonishing the new believers for living as though they were, were children of the night. No, he is encouraging them and us that we are children of the day and that because, because we are children of the day, we can eagerly look forward to the day of the Lord. And that brings us to our, our second point where we'll, we'll learn about our task as children of the day. So now that we've learned of the difference between children of the day and, and children of the night, we might be left with a question. What difference does this make in our day-to-day -day lives? We, we know, yes, we know that the day of the Lord is coming, 
and that we don't have to be afraid, but, but what does this mean for us today? Well, Paul gives an answer to this question as he continues in verse 6. He says, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. He's giving instructions here to the Thessalonian believers on the basis of their identity. Because you are children of light, he says, this, this is how you should live. And again, he's teaching by way of contrast. Let us not live as others do, but in a different way. He goes on, verse 8. But since we belong, I have the wrong verse, my apologies. Verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Paul really is, is expanding the illustration that he has been using already. He's moving from who unbelievers are, children of the night, to then what they do. In this picture, someone who sleeps at night never wakes up to a new day. Their entire life is spent in darkness, so their entire life is spent doing the things of darkness, sleeping and, and getting drunk. And Paul is, is not speaking literally here of, of sleeping and drunkenness. These images are, are pointing to spiritual qualities, spiritual ignorance, slumber, blindness that, that grows even worse as one pursues earthly pleasures. If we look back to, to verse 3, we can fill in the picture of these children of the night. They are the ones saying, peace and security. But this is not only what they say. No, it, it comes through to how they live their life. We can think of the people and city authorities of Thessalonica who are troubled when they hear of Paul's teaching. After all, they thought they lived in peace and security. But their peace, their peace is only on the surface level. Their peace will be shattered on the day of the Lord when he returns in judgment against them with the wrath of God. And the people of first century Thessalonica, they share this worldview with the people of 21st century Sardis because our neighbors too live in the darkness of sinful human nature. Many voices in our culture clamor peace and security. Those who live with medical with much suffering, are allowed to have their lives ended with medical help to, to rest in so-called peace. Those who want to live out their sexual desires in ways different than what God has commanded in Scripture, they're given free reign, no judgment, for the sake of keeping the peace. After all, if, if there seems to be peace and security, surely we can't disturb that peace. Well, Paul, who certainly disturbed the peace in Thessalonica, he calls believers to true peace and security. Now we get to verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. 
Paul, again, adds to the word picture that he has been using all along. The Thessalonian believers are to be as sober as on-duty soldiers. A soldier must not fall asleep on the job. If he's wearing a breastplate and a helmet, he probably wouldn't be able to. If a soldier stops watching his surroundings closely, an enemy might sneak right past. And this isn't just any armor. The prophet Isaiah writes in the Old Testament that God himself put on such armor. He writes in Isaiah 59, His, that is God's, own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. God himself put on armor to win salvation because there was no one else who could. And now, with with the war already won, the Thessalonians are called to wear armor themselves. Did you notice anything special about what this particular armor is made of? Faith, hope, and love. In chapter 1, Paul had written of your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Thessalonians, they were to live as they were already living, to stand in the armor they already wore as sober, as on-duty soldiers. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we receive the very same battle plan this afternoon. Stand on guard as Christian soldiers. We stand like the Thessalonian believers in contrast to the ways of the world. When other people, when our neighbors are saying peace and security, we are equipped to see beyond this deceptive illusion. We know true peace and security in Christ and only in Christ. And so we must stand as sentries in faith, guarding our hearts against the pressures and against the temptations of our culture. With faith, we live soberly, knowing what the darkness looks like because our old nature still longs for it. We must be so rooted in the word of God that we are not even tempted to buy the false peace and security that the world offers. After all, it is God's promises that are sure and unshakable. This earth will pass away, but the words of our Savior will not pass away. We must also be marked by love. Love for our God, for the other children of light, but also for the children of the night, of the darkness. In chapter 1, Paul wrote that in the midst of much affliction, the word of the Lord had sounded forth from the Thessalonians in the, believing, in the surrounding area. What a beautiful thing to be said of a church. Let that be said of us, brothers and sisters, that we sound forth the word of the Lord, not only in Sardis, but the surrounding area. Sharing the gospel may turn the world upside down, but it is the true peace and security that our neighbors, our world, needs. And then there's, there's one more piece of armor here. We must put on for a helmet 
the hope of salvation. Faith and love, they they place our focus more on the present. But hope, hope looks to the future. And what a glorious future it is. In light of their affliction, the Thessalonians themselves would have looked with longing to the day of the Lord, to the hope of full salvation. Our suffering tends to do that, doesn't it? On this earth, we are walking by faith and not yet by sight. Faith is sure of God's promises, but it doesn't see them all fulfilled quite yet. Hope, hope directs our faith to a day when we will see. We will see the Lord Jesus on his great day and forever. Our task today is to live soberly, wearing the armor that God provides. So stand firm, brothers and sisters, in the promises of God and stand on guard against the ways of the world because the day of the Lord is coming. And that brings us into our third point where we'll see our destiny as children on the great day. Now in the last verses of our text, Paul presents the heart of the gospel. He writes in verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. These verses are the gospel foundation that the whole passage has been built upon. All along, Paul has been contrasting two groups of people, children of the day and and children of the night. These groups, they have different identities, day or or night. They have different tasks, being drunk or or being sober. And now, now this contrast, it comes down to different destinies. Children of the night are destined to face God's wrath. But children of the day are destined to, to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. First, let's let's consider God's wrath. It's a difficult subject, but we must know what it is to know what we have been saved from. Because our God is holy, he must punish sin and unholiness with his righteous wrath, removing it entirely from his presence. In our text, Paul implies that children of the night, they will face this wrath for their unrepentant sin. In Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, the Holy Spirit teaches us more clearly about the destiny of unbelievers. Paul writes there, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. But Paul makes clear that believers should not live in fear of God's wrath. Instead of wrath, Paul writes that God has destined us to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. His fingerprints, God's fingerprints, are all over our salvation from our predestination right through to our final destination. Our Lord will return to bring us full salvation, to bring us home. 
How can this be? How can there be such a stark difference between the destinies of children of the day and children of the night? Paul explains in only a few words, because of our Lord Jesus who died for us. Now Paul has been so forward-looking in this passage that we might miss an important detail here. He has encouraged us with the future. He has given us instruction for the present, but not here. Now he's pointing us to something that happened in the past. Did you catch it? Our Lord died, past tense, for us. The truth of the gospel is that believers do not face the wrath of God because Jesus did. In Lord's Day 15, we confess during all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. We deserve to face the wrath of God, but there is no longer any wrath left for us to face. Our present and our future is rooted in Christ's atoning work in the past. Now, now we face a glorious destiny. Paul explains the purpose of our Lord's death. He says, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. In this verse, by awake or asleep, Paul means whether believers are still a living when the Lord Jesus returns or, or whether they have already passed on to glory before that great day. Now, it's certainly true that already now the souls of believers who have died have, have gone to be with the Lord, and we take great comfort in that. And it's also true that already now we live with Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. But there will be a day when we will live with Christ in the flesh. When we will see the Lord Jesus Christ with physical eyes. When our faith will be sight. How eagerly would the Thessalonian believers have longed for that day. A day when they would never again face persecution from children of the night. And how eagerly should we, must we, long for that day. We must fix our eyes on the future, looking to a day when we do not have to stand on guard against the afflictions or deceptions of this world. On that day, there will be no more need for armor. No need to stand on guard against attacks. No more battles left to fight. We won't need to be soldiers anymore. On that day, our Lord Jesus will return to bring us home, to live together with him for all eternity. So brothers and sisters, in conclusion, we look forward to far more than the weekend. Now don't get this wrong. It's not wrong to look forward to the weekend or your next vacation when we can take some time to relax, to enjoy the good gift of rest. But that does not mean that our weekdays, therefore, are meaningless. 
that our daily lives don't actually matter. Because we're not looking forward to wiggling our toes in the sand of Cancun. No, we're not looking to a Friday night party. No, we're looking forward to the day of the Lord. This afternoon, our God has reminded us of our identity in Christ as children of the day. He has taught us how to live now as soberly as soldiers as we wait for the great day. And then Paul, Paul has one final instruction for the Thessalonian church. He writes, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, brothers and sisters, many of us have been believers for a long time. So you also have no need to have anything written to you about these matters. And yet, our Lord graciously reminds us of them, of his promises for our comfort. And then finally, he also charges us to stand as brothers and sisters in arms alongside of one another. In other words, don't, don't keep this beautiful calling, this glorious destiny to yourselves. No, fix your own eyes, your own troubled eyes upon our glorious destiny, but also go and set the day of the Lord before the eyes of your afflicted brother and your distressed sister. And take courage. The Holy Spirit equips you to live as children of the day and to build one another up and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen.